How is everyone tonight? Wow, you guys are live tonight. Good. Awesome. You, that song woke you up. You're ready to sing your praise. That's good, actually, because we're going to talk about praise tonight. Uh, but I want to just first welcome everybody that's joining us out there online. We welcome you tonight. Uh, if you're joining us from, usually we have more than 25 nations, we welcome you. Um, and I want to say a greeting to Pastor Chad. I was not supposed to speak tonight. <laughs> uh, Pastor Chad was on his way back to Israel with his family, and on July 1st, the day of their travel, uh, the, re- the restrictions or the, re- the guidelines regarding entry to Israel changed on that day, the day they were at the airport, and there was a situation where they needed additional permissions for two of their children in order to return to Israel, so they were not able to fly so they are working on that. We actually hope that they will be flying this Tuesday and returning to Israel, that everything will be sorted out. So we've been praying for them. So Pastor Chad, we greet you tonight and we say hurry home. <laughs> we miss you and we miss you, Rebecca and the children. Um, so I get to do to use an American. How many Americans here tonight? Okay, good. We've got a couple. Happy 4th of July to you. Happy Independence Day to all of our British friends and those from the greater kingdom, uh, we're sorry. <laughs> I was at a conference one time with a good friend of mine. He was from Liverpool, and uh, he was a pastor from Liverpool, and he said, it's good to see all the colonies here this evening, and I thought that was quite a great, interest, interesting welcome. But anyway, I digress. Um, yes, <laughs> to our American friends, happy 4th of July to you all. Uh, I just want to remind you guys, again, we released a song last Sunday, uh, if you hadn't had a chance to see it on YouTube, go ahead and check it out. Just look for King of Kings Worship and look for the song title is called Dwell. And we hope you'll check that out and share that with us or share that with, not us, we, we know what it is. If you can share it with other people, that would be helpful. So tonight we are going to talk about praise. Where do you go? Somebody asked me before. Um, when you find out at the last minute that you're preaching, where do you go? Well, for me, I go to a heart message it's, it's, you go to a, a message that's already in your heart, something that the Lord has shared with you. But I, there's some new things tonight, actually, that the Lord, as I, as I prepared, that the Lord shared with me, I want to present to you tonight. But I want to start with what is praise? What is praise? Um, you might say, well, that's the two upbeat songs we do at the beginning of the service where we all clap and we sing and it's great and it's high energy, that's praise. Well, okay, partially, I'll give you a, a partial correct for that. You might say it's being joyful, joyful before the Lord and celebration. And, and I'll give you also a partly true uh, correct answer with that one. Um, but if I ask you the question, do we have a responsibility to praise? Do we have a responsibility to praise? I wonder how many people would say, well, well, maybe that's the responsibility of the Levites uh, in, the, in the Old Testament period. Uh, maybe it's the responsibility of the worship leader when we're here congregationally. But I, I want to look at this question tonight, and I want to see if we can come to some answers. Do we have a responsibility to praise? Um, is praise something that is expected from us, and, and again, I, I think we're going to make clarity. Not that God expects it, because God is in heaven, going, I just don't have enough praise, and they need to give me more. But but there's another there's another purpose here. So we're going to look at that tonight. But let me start with a simple definition. 
I'm going to take the definition to step back, and we're going to we're going to step back from relational of praise to God. But let's look at just praise in general. Okay. So I'm going to give us this definition as a starting point as praise. Praise is the act of making something known publicly. Praise is the act of making something known publicly. Where do I get this idea? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 31. Anybody know the pericope heading for Proverbs chapter 31? Shout it out tonight. The woman, yeah, the wife, the noble wife of noble character, right? Okay. Proverbs 31 verse 28, listen to this. And her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. So we're not dealing with praise in relation to God. We're dealing just, I want to deal with just praise. So praise is this public declaration in regards to her, her value, her worth. You see, if I go back to the verse verse of her husband also praises her, and I say, well, he didn't actually praise her, he just thought this in his heart. <laughs> Many women are capable, but you should pass them on. He just thought that is, that's not praise. That's something he thought, it's something he believes. But for it to become praise, he has to say it in front of somebody. He's got to say it in front of somebody. And then it says, give her the reward of her labor, let her praise let her works praise her at the city gates. The city gates were the place where the leaders and the elders came together and they gathered and it was the place of honor and importance. This was an important place. Let her be praised in front of the important people. Speak it in front of them. So again, what I want us to catch here is that praise doesn't, it's got to be spoken in front of someone. It's got to be in front of someone for it to be praised. Now, when we are speaking of praise in relation to God, let's refine this definition. When we're talking about praise in relation to God, let's say this. Praise is the public declaration of who God is. What he has done, is doing, or will do. And let me give you an example of this. From the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I'm sure this will ring a bell as we read it. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Here's what's happening today. A Savior who is the Messiah was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And then it says, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. And as you know, the angel, the, after the angels leave, the shepherds say, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has been happened, what has been made known to us. So in this context, the angels in their praise are making something known. This is what God is doing. And let me tell you who he is. Okay? 
So we see this. We can see it in other places. Now, the word for us in English for praise comes from a Latin word. It means value or relates to value or price. Thus, to give praise to God for an English word would, would say to proclaim his merit or his worth. So, now we understand what praise is. But is it a responsibility? There's still the question here. Is it our responsibility? So I want to take a look at a few things in the history of the people of Israel that hopefully will give us some clarity here. So let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. And the Lord says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands." So let's just back up and restate what the Lord is telling here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. It wasn't someone else. It wasn't something else. It wasn't the golden calf that they made and said, hey, look, here's your God that brought you out of Egypt. It wasn't that. It was me. I am the God. And by I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. And by bringing you out of Egypt, I have made myself known to you. I have proclaimed who I am to you. And guess what? Now you are responsible for this revelation. This is why God didn't necessarily get so angry with the nations. He's like, if they worship idols, I can maybe have a little bit of sympathy because they don't know me. But I've revealed myself to you. You know me. You're responsible for this revelation now. Don't have idols. Ezekiel, the prophet, wrote it this way in Ezekiel chapter 20, beginning in verse 7. I also said to them, each of you must, and he's speaking about the Exodus, each of you must throw away the detestable things that are before your eyes and not defy yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. But they rebelled against me and were unwilling to listen to me. None of them threw away the detestable things that were before their eyes, and they did not forsake the idols of Egypt. So I considered pouring out my wrath on them, exhausting my anger against them within the land of Egypt. Listen to this. But I acted because of my name so that it would not be profaned in the eyes of the nations they were living among and whose sight I had made myself known to Israel by bringing them out of Egypt. That's God calling, by the way. Um, better answer it. <laughs> so what God is saying here is, when, when I brought you out of Egypt and I made myself known to you, I did this in the sight of other nations. And because they witnessed it, because they saw it, Now, they are aware of something which, which puts a burden back. If you keep your idols, 
You're not only denying me, but you're profaning my name among these nations. Do you understand? See, idol worship was a contradiction to God's praise. He had set them apart as a holy nation. They were to carry the revelation of God to the world. You, you might say this, that it's, well, well, Pastor Ray, this isn't an issue of praising. This is an issue of idol worship, right? This is what they were doing wrong was idol worship. But the, the idol worship was contradicting anything they would have said in praise to God. Let me, let me go back and, and to our example from Proverbs 31 and let's use it in this fashion. Maybe this will present it clearly. Let's assume for a minute the husband of the wife of noble character says these words publicly. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. And he says this publicly in front of many people, and you surpass them all. And then he goes to the city gates with all the elders and the leaders and everybody, and he sees another woman, and he goes, wow, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And this woman is not his wife. Now, men, I don't suggest you do this, because trust me, it's not going to end well. But you see the tension... Everything that he said, even if he believed it, everything he said about his wife was wiped away in the context of speaking something else in front of other people. And this is God's tension that he's, he's getting at is when you praise me but you still worship idols, you're, you're basically nullifying this in front of the nations, you're profaning me. And to this point, I believe this was one of the key factors for King David and why he was so motivated. And I say it this way for me, David was so motivated to keep God in front of the people. He was so motivated to great expense and great energy on his own part. He was so motivated to keep God in front of the people. He was a king, he was a ruler, but guess what he knew? He knew there was a fine line between, between being praised as a good leader, being praised as a good ruler, and being deified. Because what was common for leaders and kings of this time was to say, hey, I'm God, you worship me. That was not uncommon. Kings and rulers would set themselves up as as God. And David said, God, I don't even want to come close to that. So he pours himself great energy, great expense to say, I have to keep God in front of the people. I am the king, but God, you are God. I have to keep them. And so David has this collection in English to us, it's Psalms, Sefer Tehillim, the, the book of praises in Hebrew. He has these things collected because I believed he felt like it was an important duty for the people of Israel. And he wrote many of these praises himself. And I believe that 
he wrote these praises with the specific intent of having the people say them publicly. Let's read a few. Psalm 66, verse 8 and 9. Praise our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He keeps us alive and does not allow our feet to slip. Psalm 106, verse 1 and 2. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can declare the Lord's mighty acts or proclaim all the praise due his name? Even if we kept going all day long, we would never reach the place where we have, okay, God, we've done it now. You know, we can stop. It won't happen. Now, later on in time when Solomon, David's son, takes the throne and they're dedicating the temple. And I want you to get a picture in your mind here. It says that Solomon is in front of the entire congregation of Israel in the courts. They had built a bronze platform for him to stand on, but he kneels before the entire congregation of Israel. He kneels And he spreads out his hands, and it says he spreads out his hands open towards heaven. And he begins a prayer, and I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but he begins by declaring this, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. And he continues into this prayer, and in verse 24 of 2 Chronicles, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 6, he said, listen to this, If your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and they return to you and praise your name and they pray and plead for mercy before you in this temple, may you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel. May you restore them to the land you gave them and their ancestors. When the skies are shut and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place, and praise your name. And they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them. May you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel so that you may teach them the good way they should walk in. May you send rain on your land and that you give your people for an inheritance. What I found amazing about this is in this prayer, Solomon connects prayer Praise, repentance, as things required for the people of Israel when they returned. It wasn't when they come and they pray to you and they ask for mercy. But God, when they come to you and they pray and they repent and then they say, we're going to declare who God is. God, then here. So this is, he connects these things and then In verse 32, a little further down, even for the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a distant land, because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this temple, may you hear in heaven in your dwelling place and do all the foreigner asks of you. Then all the peoples of the earth will know your name to fear you as the people of Israel do and know that the temple I have built is called by your name. So I want you to think of something. When a foreigner, a non-Jewish person, 
in the time of the temple period, when they came to the temple, they could only go to the outer part. They couldn't enter past the court of the Gentiles. But what do you think they should hear in that court? What do you think they should hear in that court? Listen to this, Psalm 100. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That foreigner that comes into the temple should be hearing praise. They should be hearing the declaration of who God is. And what Solomon is getting at is when they hear this, they are going to go back and they are going to proclaim your name and all the peoples of the earth will know your name. So, is praise a responsibility? Praise serves a greater role than just giving God what is due him. Honor, glory, respect, all of which he rightly deserves. But because praise is a public declaration, it is a vehicle of God's revelation of himself to the world. Folks, praise is evangelism. It is the spreading of the, the it is the spreading of the revelation of God by public pronouncement, personal witness. Are you with me? All right, three people. Are you with me? All right, there we go. Good. I want you to catch something that really when I, I first started looking into this, something that really struck me. And that is, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, you can go ahead and put the scripture up. At the time when the disciples are gathered together, and you know this, it was the day of Pentecost, and they're together, and it says, suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house, and tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave the ability gave them the ability for speech. And it says that there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout from every nation under heaven. And then it says this. You can put this you can put the scripture up. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? And he lists Parathians, Medes, Elamites, and he lists all of these different groups that were represented. And he said, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own language. By our definition, what are they doing? Praising. So the Holy Spirit could have chose anything to empower and to cause these men to speak. And what do they speak? They are speaking the praise of God. And the Bible goes on to tell us 
that many came to faith. Now I want to go on a side journey for a moment. Um, and I want to look at something that, again, it's, it's related, but we're going to kind of take a, a jump and we'll come back. And I want to look at the story of Leah. The wife of Jacob, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 29. As you know, Leah, there was a confusion <laughs> when, when Jacob went to marry his wife. Let's say he was tricked a little bit. And Leah became his first wife. And Leah felt unloved in many ways because Jacob loved Rachel. But then, if we read this in chapter 29, verse 34 of Genesis, it says, speaking of Leah, she conceived again, gave birth to a son, and said, at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne three sons for him. Therefore his name, or he was named Levi. And third, verse 35, she conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. And therefore she named him Judah. Then Leah stopped having children. And I was reading a commentary on this that was related to the Rabbi Rashi. There was a note and it stuck out and it said this, and I want to read it to you. The Hebrew term for Jew, Yehudi, literally a member of the tribe of Judah, is derived from the word meaning to give thanks. Leodot. The origin of this tribal name can be traced to a verse from this parasha in which the matriarch Leah named her fourth son Judah. Now you think, okay, she was praising God because she was grateful because this was her fourth son. But I, I was looking in that, in that text, it, it gave some additional meanings for this word. Not just praise, but to admit, to thank, to confess, to acknowledge, to praise. And in light of that understanding, I want you to listen to this in Psalm 76. God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. God is declared. God is praised. God is confessed, acknowledged, if we look at this root word. Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. You dwell, you inhabit the praises Now we know that God dwells in the heavenly realm, but the revelation of God is intertwined with praise. It's intertwined with the praises of Israel. It's connected. Now the tribe of Judah was the line of kings, rulers, leaders. And for this understanding of, of the choice of naming, not only were they to become leaders, but I believe they were to become the voice of praise that would declare the revelation of God to the world. Judah would become the voice 
praise that would declare the revelation of God to the world. You with me? Judah would become the voice to declare the revelation of God to the world. Turn with me tonight to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Speaking of Yeshua, listen to this. This just crushed me. (laughs) It says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. And if I were to sum up this passage, if I were to put it in a simple word, God has anointed me and sent me to praise. God has anointed me and sent me to declare who he is what he's doing, and what he's going to do. God has sent me to praise. Because praise is the public declaration of who God is, what he has done, is doing, or will do. Now, I want to bring this home to us. Because here's the tricky part. Praise is an act of the will. We have to choose to praise. And I want to read to you something from Charles Spurgeon in regards to this. He he was referencing in his commentary to Psalm 145. And Psalm 145 reads like this: I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever. And ever. And Charles Spurgeon said this <laughs> Observe that David is firmly resolved to praise God. I was watching a preacher the other day. I was preparing for this. <laughs> and he said, I'm a premeditated praiser. Because I have determined already that this is what I'm going to do. I'm a premeditated, I thought that was great, premeditated praiser. He said, observe that David is firmly resolved to praise God. In my text, there is four I wills. Frequently, it is foolish for us poor mortals to say, I will, because our will is so feeble and fickle. But when we resolve upon the praise of God, we may say, I will, and I will, and I will, and I will, till we make a solid square of determinations And he goes on to say, you will have need to say, I will a great many times. For many obstacles will hinder your resolve. There will come depression of spirit, and then you must say, I will extol thee, my God, O King. 
poverty, sickness, losses, and crosses may assail you. And then you must say, and I will bless the name for thy name forever and ever. The devil will come and tell you that you have no interest in the Messiah, but you must say, every day I will bless thee. Death will come and perhaps you will be under the fear of it. Then it will be incumbent upon you to cry and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And then he presented this poem. And he said this, Sing though sense and carnal reason fain would stop the joyful song. Sing and count it highest treason for a saint to hold his tongue. Count it highest treason for a saint to hold his tongue. So why is he so empathetic or emphatic is the correct word about this idea. It's because we are responsible for the relation, the revelation of God that we have received. We have a responsibility. So praise is a responsibility. But why is it so hard for us to praise? Why is it so hard? And here's some things that I think I think oftentimes we're afraid that if we praise God in the good times, when things are good, and we speak something publicly, people hear us, and they think, well, what happens when things are not so good? People will look at me and say, well, where's your God now? And they'll mock me. Sound familiar? How many times did David say, my enemies, they mock me? But God, yet I will praise you. Yet I will declare who you are, your goodness. So we don't need to be afraid. Yes, as as Spurgeon said, there will come moments of difficulty and we will have to resolve ourselves to declare the truth of who God is. In fact, there's another message that I talk about that aligns our thinking. When we declare praise, it aligns our thinking with the realities of truly who God is. So it's important. Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name, that declare him. In full view of all the people, a public display. And before that, in verse 12, he's talking about the Messiah. Before he gets to the therefore, he's talking about how the Messiah, how Yeshua was crucified outside of the city gate in public view of all the people. He was visible to all the people and he bore the disgrace. And it says, so let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. And in that place, let's say, let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you who he is. So this is the 
question to us. It's our responsibility. God has given us a revelation of himself. We have a revelation of who the Messiah is. We have a responsibility to declare this. Let me read this poem one more time. Sing those sense and carnal reason fain would stop the joyful song. Sing and count it highest treason for a saint to hold his tongue. Folks, I want to tell you tonight, what we do in this place corporately when we praise the Lord is not just sending songs out into the atmosphere for no purpose. You want to talk about a court, an outer court? What we're doing here tonight is going out to 20 plus countries around the world People around the world are hearing the declaration from you, from us, of who God is. That's not pointless. It's purposeful. It's necessary. It's a responsibility. It's not to make God feel good. And in fact, anywhere, wherever you are tonight, any place where there is a public gathering of saints, and they come together and an unbeliever can step in and hear the praise of God. This is important. This is vital. This is why it's important that communities gather together and praise God, and they worship him so that the unbeliever, the person who's like, I don't know what they're doing, I'm gonna go find out. Oh my goodness. And they receive a revelation of who God is. So important. I'm going to ask the worship team to come again. (laughs) But again, I want you to grasp this tonight. Singing songs, singing praise, and even in your own life, when God does something for you, speak it publicly. This is what God did for me. Why? Because we have a responsibility to tell people, this is what God has done for me. This is our responsibility. Let us pray tonight. We're going to sing a song of praise again. I think we're going to do the one we did before that said, yes, I will. I will lift your name. And folks, tonight I want you to just be infused that This is not something to be ashamed of. This is not something that's just, we're killing 10 minutes. This is important. This is important. It's important to God. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you we have the privilege. We have the privilege, God, to declare who you are. To declare how good you are, God. To declare the things that you do for us day after day after day. This is not a burden. but This is a privilege that we have. And God, it's our responsibility as followers of Yeshua to declare the revelation that we have received in our lives. And we can do that through praise. So God, empower us. Encourage us, embolden us, God, that we would not withhold or hold our tongues from speaking the truth of who you are in this world. We ask it in Yeshua's name.